to the Very Well Mind podcast. We've interviewed over 100 authors, experts, entrepreneurs, athletes, musicians, and others to help you learn strategies to care for your mental health. This episode is hosted by psychotherapist and best-selling author Amy Morin. Now let's get into the episode. Do you struggle to experience and express any emotion aside from anger? Are you hesitant to try typical self-help advice? Do you avoid thinking much about your mental health? If you answered yes to any of those questions, this episode is for you. My guest is Sky Black. He spent years as a backup dancer for world-famous singers like Beyonce, Rihanna, and Mariah Carey before he became an actor. He's been in several movies and TV shows, including, most recently, All the Queen's Men. He hasn't always had it easy, though. He's gone through some hard times, including the loss of his grandfather, who raised him, and being homeless for a time. And he says that for most of his life, he didn't think about mental health and certainly didn't feel like he was in a position to express his feelings. But today he's talking about how all that has changed. And he has some great mental strength strategies that I think you might appreciate. So here's Sky Black. He's mentally strong, and this is his story. Sky Black, welcome to the Very Well Mind podcast. Thank you for having me. So I, uh, well, you were just telling me before we started that you were in the middle of a, a busy shooting season for your TV show. Uh, yes. can, you, can you tell our listeners a little bit about what you're up to right now? Um, I don't know if I can tell because I don't know if the announcement has gone out yet. About, oh, so I know um, the secret about show. what you're doing. So you but... know the secret, Amy. Yes, you do. <laughs> They'll have to wait then and find out what you're up yes. to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Even better. Uh, but can you tell us a little bit about, about your acting career? It looks like about 10 years ago, you started doing some stuff in the acting world and it's blossomed over the years into bigger and even cooler roles. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, 10 years ago, honestly, I was a backup dancer. I was a backup dancer for Beyonce and Mariah Carey and Rihanna. And um, prior to that, I was a professional ballet dancer and uh, trained in New York at School of American Ballet. So um, in the in the transition period of me going and really focusing and honing in on um, my passion for acting, I, um, you know, I was kind of homeless <laughs> like three times. I, I tell the story all the time, but it's it's my truth. So I think it's, it's vital. I get messages on Instagram every day um, about people telling me that they're going through similar situations or have gone through similar situations. So it, it's always it always feels good to know you're not alone. You know what I mean? And um, absolutely, I think with anything, and when we know that somebody else has gone through it, or we just know if somebody else is feeling the same way, do for whatever reason, it helps us feel just a little bit better. Yeah, it does. It helps us get through it. I mean, it helped me get through it to hear other people's journeys and stories like. George Clooney, I listened to a lot of his journey prior to um, him, you know, getting his big break. But I stuck it out um, and I got smaller parts and and there is no small part. I got parts to climb the ladder to where I am now. And I um, got my I would say my breakout was Tyler Perry show Sisters, where I played Jacoby for 11 episodes. And after that, I was blessed enough to, and this all happened in one year, 
2020, the pre-pandemic, I was ballet parking cars <laughs> in Los Angeles at a hotel. And um, so about around March, April, my career just shifted. And I started off with, like I said, Tyler Perry Sisters. I was blessed enough to audition and get my um, Be the Lead Mel of My Own series, which is all the Queen's Men. Um, then I was blessed enough to get another lead mail as another series called Lace and um, also recurring on Black Monday on Showtime, working with um, across from Don Cheadle and Regina Hall, which is incredible. It's like a young actor's dream because they're such huge juggernauts and living legends, in my opinion. And um, I just finished a film, my first film. I finished it last month. Uh, in Tennessee, as as um, I'm excited about that. I, it's a congratulations. That I, is exciting. Yeah, I get to, I get to I get and I'm the lead mill. So uh, it's been it's been a daily daily um, adjustment phase for me. And but I'm 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 excited. I'm thrilled. Well, how does this happen? How do you go from being Beyonce's backup dancer to becoming homeless? Um, I, so. The real thing in, in Hollywood, and I always said, I was just having this conversation with um, actually my fiance, and I was saying that um, uh, it Hollywood is, is very interesting, I would say. You have to almost take yourself out of where you were to accomplish where you want to go. So the world or or I won't say the world, but um, yeah, the world, for lack of better words, saw industry-wise, saw me as a backup dancer for all these amazing women. However, I always wanted more, but people, you know this old saying how people see you, what they, people see you, what they met you, how they met you first. Yes. And a lot of people met me as as a dancer first. And, and that was, and it was cool and it was okay. But now when you go into these casting rooms and everything, it's like, oh, that's just the dancer. And it's mentally, it's, it's, it's almost a mental mind F. <laughs> so you, you, I, I just made the decision to literally take myself out of that arena. And I said, I have to earn it. If I'm going to really focus in and hone in on this on the, on my craft and this new area of entertainment, I have to earn it. And so that means that I do not accept any more dance jobs. I, I let go of my dance agent. I, anything with dancing, I stopped. And I, I said, I'm going to go bold for the wall. I'm going to start acting classes again, but this time I'm not going to try to uh, have a safety net. I removed my safety net. That is what I did. And I sacrificed. And it wasn't easy. I'm not going to say it was easy <laughs> at all, but it was worth it. Oh, well, let's it. talk about that for a minute. For people who want to reinvent themselves, maybe they're not the same person they were 10 years ago or right. even where they were last year, but the people know them as being a certain way, whether it's their mm -hmm. career or it's as being the fill-in-the-blank person, the angry person, the right. sad person, the mm -hmm. person that has X, Y, and Z problem. How do you... Uh, become known as something else? What's your advice for somebody who may be struggling with that? I would say it starts with you. It really starts with you because, uh, I mean, it's no secret that we live in a perception-based world and we, and our, our reputation sometimes precedes us, you know? So um, 
you have to make the concerted effort to believe who you want to be and the steps that are needed to take to make that happen. But the belief is the hardest part, I think, because you have so many outside forces and and opinions that we all take in every single day. And if, but you have to be so steadfast and, and it really, really starts with you. And it's like, I, I think what I did, I just, I isolated myself. I isolated myself. I had, I made, it was tunnel vision. It was tunnel vision. And sometimes I think everyone needs to take a moment for self, for clarity and for, um, to find out what it, what it is that, how you want to change because people can pull you back, you know, and you don't mentally, it's, it's a mental game. It's a, it's a mental game. You really have to take time for self and really believe it. Belief is the hardest part. I think belief is the hardest part. I think so too. Yeah. Let's talk for a minute about the idea of not having a safety net. For a lot of people, they think, well, I can't make the move unless I know if it fails that I still have A, B, and C. What do you think about that? Do you think that uh, that's a good rule of life to say, don't have a safety net? If you're going to take the leap, take the leap. I don't believe in safety nets. I never have. I always said I never had a plan B. Hmm. Um, My plan B was my, if I had a plan B, plan B was a plan to fail at plan A. Because in the back of your mind, there's a difference. There's a difference. I, and, I, and I've, I've gone through it. There's a difference when you have nothing else. There's, there's a different fire in you. There's a different mindset when you do not have anything to fall back on. It pushes you to pass even your own expectations. So I don't believe in safety nets. I, I believe you don't. I believe if you have a safety net, and this is just my opinion, and I hope I don't get any flack for saying it, you probably go about 80% because your, your mind is so creative when you're pushed under the gun. You, If you want something, you will find a way to make it happen if there is no other way. It's survival. You know, our survival instincts kick in, our creative instincts kick in, our life skills kick in when there is nothing there to say, oh, well, I could just do. No, you can't just do anything. You have to do what you want to do. And if you have that back here, it you always know you have it in the back. So if you'd had a safety net, do you feel like you wouldn't be where you are now? Yes. And yes, I will tell you, and and I've never, this is something that I've never said. Um, my father, my grandfather raised me and my grandparents are my world. Um, my grandfather died in 2015. And um, it hurts me to this day. And I have, and honestly, I have an immense amount of guilt that I didn't get to take care of him like I said that I would. And I said I was going to make it. And, um, but I do feel I've, I've marinated on this and I'm, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. And I've talked to God about it a lot. And I finally came to the conclusion, my dad was my safety net. If anything ever happened, I mean, I didn't tell my parents a lot of what I was going through because I didn't want them to make me come home or try to discourage me. But once my grandfather passed, it was like a switch. I had no safety net. I had no financial safety net. I had no one I could go to even when I was feeling down and say, hey, because my dad was my dad and my, my grandmother and my grandfather, like my best friends. And but at, at some point being a man, you need that male figure. And um, I didn't have dad anymore. 
And so my safety net was gone. And it it brought a survival and a sacrifice and a will to go forward out of me that I can't, that's inexplicable. So. Wow. I think that for a lot of people, that's what happens. You lose somebody in your life who maybe signified some sort of psychological safety. It was like, you always knew that you could depend on that person. And when that person is gone, you are left with figuring out how do I get through this toughest time in my life without that one person who I know would always be there for me. That's tough to do. Yeah, it is. And especially when I, you know, there's a dichotomy because it hurts, but I do realize it was necessary for my success because I, I don't think I would have gone as hard if I, if I, if dad was still here. Interesting. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Yeah. And at some point in your career, you started to become outspoken about mental health. What made you start talking about mental health? Um, as we can see, I'm a black man. <laughs> so in my community, it was never, it was almost never talked about. And, and growing up as a young black kid in the South, um, I, I, in our, in, in the black community, we don't voice when we're not okay. And we, and as a black man, I, I always say, I said, I feel like black men don't get to feel. We don't get to feel, we don't get to cry. We don't get to be vulnerable. And, and it's, it's, um, it's very, it's, it's like a chokehold because you have all the, this quagmire of all these feelings. And now you're starting to go crazy because I'll be honest in the, in the world, you know, I'm a black man with tattoos. I've, I've experienced a lot of racism, even though, even though I'm not, um, even though I've had a ballet career and everything, I've experienced a lot of racism just upon, uh, my aesthetic. And so I'm dealing with that. And then in my community, I'm dealing with, and I've been saying this, there's this hyper-masculine thing that, that is very, it's like, a, it's like a insect repellent to my community that if you don't act a certain way or if you're not the, the quote-unquote gang member on the street and you're not tough and, you know, being a black man, there's, there's we're so multifaceted. You know, this is a new generation of of people, and you know, also with killing of us. And it, and I told, I was telling one of my friends, and I said, you don't know what it's like to go outside of your house, and when you drive in your car, and a policeman comes up behind you, you don't know if you're going to live. That is, that is gut wrenching. I've driven through L.A. In Beverly Hills, and I've had to take off my hat when I'm driving down a certain street at night for fear that I might get pulled over down a dark street. I remember coming from acting class one night, and the cops literally watched me walk one of my friends who was a who was a woman to her car, and um, they and I saw them watch me, and I said, "I'm going to get pulled over tonight," and I got pulled over for no reason, and I got pulled over in a dark street, and I hopped out of the car and I said, "Please don't kill me." That was the first thing I said. And, um, and they told me, they said, that's that stupid stuff on TV. I could not argue. I could not argue. So when the world is, it feels like sometimes the world is against you. And then it's some, then you, in your own community, when you're a kid, you know, when you're falling on the floor and you're, and you're, you're a boy and you're running out, you know, they said, get up, don't cry. Stop acting like a girl. And it's kind of like, well, now I grow up and I don't, I don't know how to communicate or I can't access my feelings. And I just know that something is not right. Like I, I, I have all these 
it's, it becomes mental wear and tear. And so I, I've been now a, a huge advocate for the mental wellness of men like me and my community because we don't get to feel and, and it hurts. It hurts. I, I feel like I can I can feel because I hide behind my I can I'm an actor and I and that's what I do for a living. And I get to hide my vulnerability, but I get to cry, I get to be angry, but I also am doing it through a character in the in the world every day. I don't get to do that. You know? So I think it's vital. I think it's I think it's extremely vital to now tap into therapy and to understand why you are the way you are. So what's it been like to make that shift to say, okay, I'm going to start to actually figure out how am I feeling? I want to talk about it. I honestly think, Amy, I, I, I don't think I know acting class saved me. Acting class saved me because, um, and I, I've been more open about it lately. Um, I don't know why. It's just, I guess maybe it's the time. Um, I, I remember the actor's struggle and the, and I was suicidal from the rejection and just trying to survive. And, and actually one time I did try to take my life because I felt like I just had no one to talk to. I mean, even at some points you don't, you don't want to talk to your parents cause you don't want to burden your parents. You know what I mean? Or they don't understand. And I, I remember, um, I was doing an interview actually yesterday. It was a great interview. And, um, I was asked the question, why did you choose acting? Why did you choose to put your money into acting class rather than, um, you know, just buying food. And I said, because that was the only thing I had to look forward to. It was therapy for me. It was, it kept me alive. Like when you think about it, when you think about living in dire straits and poverty, that was the only thing I had to look forward to on, on Mondays was to go to acting class. So I could, if I wasn't feeling great, I can hide and cry rather than smiling and, and making people think I was okay when I wasn't okay. You know, or if I was just angry that day at circumstances, I could hide and it I could just find out things about myself that I didn't know was wrong or why am I feeling this way or just, yo, I'm not feeling good today. And um, but guess what? I'm in acting class so I can hide this emotion in my scene because I have to put on a front, a front face when I leave out of here. So that is where I really start tapping into how important mental health was for me was going to acting class. Wow. And what would it happen if you didn't have acting class? Where would you be right now? I don't know. Hmm. I honestly don't know. I mean, I, I'm a strong guy. I'm very strong. I'm a strong guy. Um, but I do believe that God had a purpose for my life. And um, I never say I didn't choose acting. Acting chose me. And um, because I had people year, for years telling me that, hey, you should be an actor. And um, I finally acquiesced and um, it was the best thing that I've ever done in my life. And also, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm finally walking in purpose and it, um, I get to connect to a lot of people by being other people to maybe portray feelings that someone else is experiencing, you know? Um, so yeah. <laughs> What's been the response since you've started talking about mental health? How have other people responded to that? I think, um, I honestly, this is one of, I've just recently been vocal about it, as vocal as I have been. I think um, outlets like you, like that you provide have, are, are essential, which is why I want to, which is why I want to sit down and talk about it. I haven't been very vocal about it. I, I think that, um, 
I didn't know if I could be, if that makes sense. You know, because people, I, I felt guilty. You know, people would look at you and be like, what, what do you, you're like, your life's great now. What do you have to be upset about? Or, or, and I'm not upset at all, but what do you, what could you possibly know about mental health? You know, um, looking from the outside in and, um, it's just not true. We, we all are going through something. We all are going through something like you can't judge anybody, um, at all. You don't know what the person is, has gone through. Like I, I, we're, we're talking, but I don't know what you just went through five minutes ago or yesterday. You know, I can't judge you for that. And we, all of our feelings are valid to us. And, and so, um, I'm just starting to, I think, voice the importance of mental health to me, like now in this, in this time period. Yeah, so it's a new thing for me. I think there used to be that stigma, especially with a celebrity who spoke out about mental health. The thought was, what do you have to be depressed about? If you have money, you have right. fame, you have a job, right. you live in a nice place. Like, what's wrong with you that you think you can step up? And slowly, I think we're getting to the point where people are recognizing that mental health is a lot like physical health. Anybody can struggle from a mental health problem at any it time, is. no matter how much money you have, no matter how great your job is, no matter how cool the things are you do, it doesn't mean that you're immune to struggles and you're going to feel anxiety same way I feel anxiety. It might be about exactly. something different, exactly. but exactly. we all feel the same emotions. And it's still important. Yes. Because you are going through it. You can't diminish anybody else's feelings. And I've learned that. You have. You can't diminish what someone is going through because you just don't know their story. So what's it been like then to try to start talking about mental health and to share a little bit about your story? Um, I think... Um, it's, 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 it's fallen into a very authentic space. Like I haven't tried to, I haven't set out on a journey to say, I'm going to just talk about mental health. I think slowly, but surely it's just, you know, I, I'm very, um, authentic. I would hope, you know, so whenever I'm feeling something, um, I just talk about it. And, and like I say, I can't give it an actual time or turn when I, when I made, I didn't make the decision. I just, you know, I get on, I have conversations and, um, it's just started to really be something that I'm like, Hey, this is, this is important. This is very important because I'm, I'm, I'm walking around, I'm looking at my peers or I'm looking at people, I'm looking at the state of the world, or I'm just, I'm walking in this body of a six, one black man and realizing Hey, some days I don't feel great and that's okay. But, and, but, and also having guilt that I don't feel great Yeah, because life is great. Life is great at the same time. You know, sometimes depending on the state I'm in, I don't know if I'm going to, I pray that I come home safe every day, but Hey, you know what I mean? I, I, I am still a black man. And that is, we live in a world where we have deep, deep, deep color lines still. It's not great, but that's the reality. It is, unfortunately. And that, yeah. And it takes a toll. It takes a toll on you mentally. And also, you know, we've been in a pandemic and, and the pandemic for me was great, right? Because I, I was able to, my life changed. Um, but for some people, it wasn't. Right. Some people, it wasn't. Their life changed another way. And now we're still dealing with this new way of life that we're trying to acclimate ourselves to. Um, even just 
wearing masks or people the now we got a divide of the vaccinated and the non-vaccinated and now we have other things pitting people against each other and and that has an effect on everybody you know and their mental health it certainly does and we tend to think well the pandemic wasn't bad for me so why is somebody else saying it was bad or we tend to think, well, you know, I got through it okay. So why are other people complaining without recognizing how different everybody's experience was? Yeah. Because some people lost their lost their lives or lost people who were close to them. People who were close to them lost their lives. And if you've ever lost someone, I don't I don't care who you are, if you ever lost someone close to you, that hurts and it's an adjustment. Yes. And you don't know what it triggers. Absolutely. So what about these days? What steps do you take to ca- take care of your mental health? Um, I am very good with, um, then this is what I'm just learning. I'm learning isolation and self-care. Like I, um, I do a lot of, um, and I always hiked for, for recreate, for exercise. Um, especially when, you know, the gyms were closed and everything, but nature is, I get up in the morning and I really, and I know people may say it, but there's something about um, for me, I, I, I go outside. I will sit there and just look at the sky or I will, um, I live in LA, so I will go and hike around the Canyon. I, I was just, um, I'm here in Atlanta right now and I, and I will look outside and just like, oh my gosh. And I don't know what it is about nature with me, but I need moments of solitude to refill myself in order to pour into others. And I've recognized that that is something that I personally need. That's vital. And I think people should find their it, you know, whatever their thing is. I think so too. I'm a therapist and people often say, what do I need to do? It's different for everybody. While meditation works for one person, yoga works for somebody else. Sometimes people need more Mm -hmm. time with their friends and family. Other times people need more solitude. I'm a big fan of nature as well. I think nature is wonderful for most of us, but not everybody has that opportunity to to go hiking and do those things. But if exactly, that's your thing, exactly. that works yeah. for you. Yeah. Cause I've tried to meditate. I've literally tried to meditate and it's like my, it's like, I don't know what it is. I, my brain will, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to meditate. And my brain is like, uh, no, you're not. You got to go to the store. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to say this. <laughs> but I notice once I find my it, my it is literally solitude. And I start to just be and think, and my mind calms down without me saying, oh, I'm, this is my meditation time. I'm like, okay, I need some day. I can sense when, okay, I need a couple, I need a day by myself. What are, what are your warning signs when you know you need to take some time for yourself? I think mine, um, I'm a workhorse. So I have, I actually have problems <laughs> like trying to say, okay, I need to be by myself. Um, and I'm a people pleaser to a degree. So I, I you know, but um, I think my warning signs. I get extremely. I get tired. I, I know myself. I get. I get very, very tired, and um, I get quiet. It's that's the thing. I I don't snap it. I get very, very quiet. And uh, my fiance always says, "You need to be by yourself. You're a little. You're a little. Like you're a little. You're a little." She calls it rigid. Um, and her definition is that you're so quiet. Are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm fine. I, I'm, I swear, I'm fine. She's like, yeah, you just need some time by yourself. <laughs> so I get very, very quiet. Okay, good. Because it's good to know what, what your personal warning signs are. Because I think for a lot yeah. of us, we're like, oh, you know, I don't know. Or I just do it when I can and, and without realizing, here's my warning signs. And this is the solution, what I need to do, the signs right. that I need to take better care right. of myself. 
For somebody who's listening and maybe they say, well, I don't feel comfortable talking about my feelings. Maybe they don't have acting as an outlet. What are your thoughts on where they could start if somebody is out there struggling and saying, you know, I feel like I have to act tough all the time, yet I can't really figure out how I feel you know, or express my feelings to people. What do I do? You know what? I think that's a good question. I um, I know some people keep a journal. Mm-hmm. I've never been a guy that keeps a journal. I, I've never been a guy that keeps a journal. But you know what I've done? And it may sound a little awkward or a little weird. Like, I will just sit down and talk to myself in like, in a, in, here's my phone. So I will sit down and I will just talk into the phone about, you know, I feel like this or why this, or why do I did it? Or I take a drive. I like, I like driving like when I can. Um, but I, I do just talk to my, I will talk to myself. I will put down like um, my voice recorder and just talk about this or talk about that. Of course I pray. I pray every morning and I pray every night. And I, and you know, what's, you know, what's funny. And I always wanted to say this, especially um, coming from the African-American community. Sometimes your heart is so heavy. You don't know what to say Yep. to God. And, and um, I have been there. And sometimes I, I, I mean, I, I, I say, sometimes I'll say, God, you know, what's on my heart. I'm just a little bit exhausted. I don't know how to put into words. Um, and, but the, the phone thing works for me. Even when, even when, even when I'm, and I've learned, I, I think I learned that by actually when I'm having to learn lines or this, that, or other, I talk it out. I just have to talk about it and talk about it and, and sit and, you know, even if no one is listening or even if I have a, a friend that wants to hear me rant, for about 20 minutes, I'll just talk about a character, but I was like, oh, this is, I, I understand I'm a, I'm an audio visual guy. And I, now I get that about myself. Okay, cool. So I'll just sit down and say, oh gosh, I am not feeling good. What is wrong with me? And I don't know why I did this or why am I having these issues today? Or why do I feel heavy? And then it starts to help, you know, and, um, it sounds a little bit unorthodox, but, um, it could work. You know, I love that you said that. So (laughs) we've had probably 70 guests on the show. And I would say 75% of them say, yeah, you should keep a journal. You're the first person who's ever said to keep an audio journal or to say it out loud. And I love that you said that because I'm going to guess maybe 10% of our audience actually writes in a journal. It's one of those things that we say, yeah, that's a good idea. But people get like, I don't know what to write down or you sit down in front of a blank piece of paper and it just feels intimidating or we're afraid somebody's going to read it or where do I keep this or do I write in a notebook or so many questions that I think get in the way. So I love that idea. We all I'm sure everybody listening has a phone. And so you can easily pick up your phone and record something. Do you listen to yeah. it back or you just record it and keep it, it on depends. your phone or you delete it? I, what do you I, do? It depends. I, I think, um, I'll be honest, I've never listened to anything back. I've never listened to anything back. I I, I have a pretty good memory. and um, But once it's out, it's out. And then I start to feel different on the inside. Um, so I will save it. You know, but I never, I've never listened to one. I've never listened to one back. I just think it's sometimes we just need to get stuff out. I agree. And I 
that's a huge yeah. part of therapy, why therapy helps. Sometimes I don't have to say a word. Somebody comes in and they start talking and they, as they're talking, they're figuring out their problems or they're coming up with solutions or they're feeling better mm -hmm. just by getting it out. So I think uh, that makes sense to me. Why just saying something out loud and if you hit the record button on your phone, you have the file. If you ever want to listen to it, you can, but you don't necessarily have to. So thank you for that. I think that's a wonderful, a wonderful strategy that people can try. Oh. And it's easily accessible because I guarantee probably everybody listening to this has a phone that they can access. Yeah. I mean, it, it works for me. I've never been, I always think, cause I'm so grammatically correct when I write yeah. and I don't really speak that way. I speak in my everyday colloquialism, you know? So I'm kind of like, ah, this sucks or did it. And I don't even know. And I, the, I, I would never write, ah, <laughs> I would never write, you know, I would never, but the feeling is coming out. So I'm just, saying it i'm talking about it and okay this sucks or why are we doing this or or oh this was great i want to do this more it, you know so it just starts to it's like word vomit that's that's healthy i guess i love it before we go you have one more these are great so you have one more piece of advice <laughs> tip something that works for you that we can share with people and they can try it and see if it works for them yeah um let's see um you know what I listen to? I listen to affirmations at night. I really do. I, I and I and I know something. I don't get. I don't listen every night because sometimes I'm tired. But I'll listen to a subconscious affirmation about whatever I want in my life at that point in time, and um, I put it close to my pillow, and um, it and they say it seeps in your subconscious. Um, but I do know that is one of the things that I I do, and I and I've started doing that. Um, more recently, about several months ago, it wasn't something that I always did, but it it um, it does change the mind of your subconscious, you know. Because I, I had a, I would say, in the beginning when my life started to change, I was very scared that, oh my God, what if it goes back? Oh my God, what if I this happens? Or what if I don't get another job? Or or um, and I started, I and I said, this is. Um, detrimental to my psyche. I need to find a way to not do that. And so my fiance actually said, Hey, I listen to affirmations. You should try it. And I was like, all right, I'm gonna do it. And about a couple of weeks later, me being a stubborn man, <laughs> I, I listened, I started it and, um, it, it started to change like my thought process. So that could be a tip. There's a lot of them on YouTube. Okay. So is that where many. you find them? Do you just go to YouTube? Yeah. And I just go to you. I just go to YouTube and I type in um, whatever you. If, if, if it's regarding health, wealth, success, money, like whatever your thing is that you know, and I'll just type it in and I listen to it at night and I fall asleep to it, and it has you know helped and changed my mindset. Another yeah. great strategy. I think the things that we repeat in our brains over and over again uh, make a big difference to how we feel, how we act. So if you can put some positive stuff in your head. Yeah, completely, completely. Well, thank you so much for sharing a bit about your story and the strategies that work for you. I love sharing, okay, this works for this person. You won't know if it works for you unless you give it a shot. So I hope that people try yeah, these things because yeah. they sound really cool. They're easily accessible, doable. Sometimes people have these things that they share that are like really tough to figure out or it takes six months to, to train. You shared some great things people could try today. It doesn't cost any money. It's quick. It's easy. So thank you so much, Sky Black, for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you, Amy. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad we could we could get back and do this again. <laughs> so thank you for yeah. being here again.
Well, thank you for having me. And, th- and this this outlet is awesome, man. I think it's um, so needed. So thank you for providing it. You're very welcome. Welcome to The Therapist Take. This is the part of the show where I'll break down Sky's mental strength building strategies and share how you can apply them to your own life. Here are three of Sky's strategies that I highly recommend. Number one, consider whether you should have a safety net. Sky says when he made the leap from dancer to actor, he didn't have a safety net in place. He was afraid if he did, he might not invest all of his energy into making his new career work. There are definitely times when taking a leap without a safety net makes sense. If you have a plan B that seems really easy or kind of tempting, you might be quick to abandon plan A. That's not just with a career leap. It might be true with a social opportunity, a family issue, a professional shift, or a business idea. Of course, not having a plan B doesn't work for everyone all the time. I've had plenty of times in my life where if I didn't have a plan B, I'd be so anxious I couldn't concentrate on plan A. There are times when knowing I have a fallback plan has helped me feel secure enough that I could concentrate on plan A. So in each situation, think about what's likely to work best for you and move forward thoughtfully. Should you have a plan B so you can feel fully invested in plan A? Or should you make plan A the only plan you have so that you'll feel forced to make it work somehow? A little self-awareness could go a long way toward helping you do your best. Number two, record an audio journal. Sky says he records an audio journal when he wants to get something out of his head. I really appreciate that he said this. Sometimes just talking through something, even if no one is listening, can help you make sense of it. Hearing yourself say something out loud might help you process your emotions a little differently. It might slow down your thinking a little and help you see a problem from a different angle, which might help you find a different solution. You won't know until you try, though, so give it a shot. Hit the record button on your phone or your computer and try journaling out loud to see what happens. And number three, find an activity that charges your batteries. Sky said he learned that hiking in nature by himself helps him manage his mental health. Getting a little time by himself gives him the space that he needs to feel better. He says he also learned to recognize the warning signs that he needs to do something for his mental health. In his case, he gets quiet. When he sees this happening or someone points it out to him, he knows what he has to do to feel better. We're a lot like our electronics in the way that we need to charge our batteries sometimes. It's important to know what your warning signs are so that you can recognize when your battery power is running low. And it's essential to know what you need to do to get recharged. Think about all the things in your life that you could do to take care of your mental health. And consider what your warning signs are that you need to be on the lookout for so you know when to take action. So those are three of Sky's mental strength building strategies that I highly recommend. Consider whether you should have a safety net when you're making a change. Try recording an audio journal to process your feelings. And find an activity that charges your batteries. To learn more from Sky, follow him on Instagram. His username is Sky Black. That's Sky with an H, S-K-Y-H-B-L-A-C-K. Thank you for listening to the Very Well Mind podcast. If you found this episode informative, please share the episode with your friends and family and leave a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Very Well Mind podcast, you can head to verywellmind.com slash podcast.